Bound. I found, you know, even just like buying condoms as a woman going into a pharmacy and doing that can be so embarrassing and awkward. Finding a gynecologist whose first question isn't, are you married? Let alone navigating the intricacies of your own arousal and pleasure with a boy who's absolutely uninterested in your pleasure, you know, things like that. So that's, um, that's how it all began. Welcome to Books and Beyond with Bound. I'm Tara Khandelwal. I'm Michelle DeCosta. And in this podcast, we uncover the stories behind some of the best written books of our time. And find out how these books reflect our lives and our society today. So tune in every Wednesday to enter a whole new world with a new author and a new idea. Yes, and after three years and two million listens, we are back with a power-packed season five. With hard-hitting questions and life-changing books. So let's dive in. Hi everyone, we are super excited to get to know Lisa Mangaldas on our episode today. She is India's most beloved sex educator and influencer with a very popular podcast, YouTube channel, and now her book, which is called The Sex Book. And the book has everything, like everything you can imagine from blue balls to period sex to morning erections to dirty talk. And Lisa has addressed all kinds of scenarios that people face, you know, in their own lives, within relationships, with themselves. And you know how to navigate sex for the first time or how do you even talk to your parents about sex? How do you find the G-spot and so much more? So we are going to be finding all of this out and these are behind the scenes. You know what drew her to talking so much about sex on social media and what are her kinks? Wink, wink. <laughs> Welcome, Lisa. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like it's, I've been following you for a while, Lisa, and I sort of shared your content with my sister and her friends. And I think you were one of the first people to really deconstruct uh, sex, make it easy, um, you know, and also the kind of tonality you use is very positive, very inclusive. Uh, but I find it very interesting that you know, we didn't have social media growing up and now you're one of India's topmost influencers and sex educators. So uh, what did you, what was the journey like back then? What did you want to be back then? Uh, we read that you're an oil painter. And now mm. how did you sort of venture to, you know, social media? I actually, um, so, you know, I graduated from college in 2011. We were just talking about that. And back then, social media wasn't quite yet somewhere where people thought they could have a career Right. So I actually started um, working in traditional media. My first internship right out of college was with a news channel. And I did a lot of uh, TV presenting and freelance writing for various different publications as well over the first um, five or six years of my career. And then I just started this digital project to raise awareness around sex and sexuality and sexual health and the body and gender and all this stuff that was really interesting to me because I felt like I wasn't getting to talk about this stuff on TV. Branded content was already making its big appearance as the only format of content on all mainstream media. And so I was really getting to choose what I got to talk about on TV, but I had bills to pay. So I was doing that work and I just started this myself on the side because I was so overwhelmed by the obstacle course that is navigating your sexuality and sexual health as an unmarried woman, right? I felt like I wanted to create the resource I wish I had. Um, and I was really lucky in college to be an RA. I was um, in charge of student life on residence halls for the three years of college right after my first year, because you can only be an RA second year onward. And I received this wonderful training around imparting peer-to-peer sort of consent workshops and you know the basics of safer sex we had condoms on our doors that students could just help themselves to because why not right it's an adult it's everybody's 18 plus everybody is probably navigating their own relationships and stuff and contraception and protection should be easily available so it was wonderful to come of age in that environment and i studied literature and art with a focus on gender and sexuality so there were themes that were always interesting to me. And then when I came back to live in Bombay after college, I kind of wanted to um, bring a little bit of that with me because I found, you know, even just like buying condoms as a 
woman going into a pharmacy and doing that can be so embarrassing and awkward finding a gynecologist whose first question isn't are you married you know um let alone navigating the intricacies of your own arousal and pleasure with a boy who's absolutely uninterested in your pleasure you know things like that so that's um that's how it all began i never thought it would become as popular or as widely consumed as it's become you know i thought even if 10 people want to join me in this conversation it'll be worthwhile so i'm very overwhelmed in a good way and very grateful for the kind of support the content has received and in the last few years it's become sustainable and i no longer do the other stuff i had to i never thought i'd see the day that my sex ed yeah. project would would um you know be something that that becomes a career quote unquote so i'm really glad that we're here yeah i know for sure and uh, you know i remember sort of going to college abroad and uh, yeah like uh, condoms on the door and all of that and i was sort of very nerdy 18 year old right who sort of had no idea um and it was such a culture shock for me and i think as indian women sort of growing up uh, you know we never we never exposed to any of sort of these things and we didn't grow up in a time of social media it's sort of everything is kept hush hush we never talk about it with our parents so i think content like yours it was sort of a door opener and i think is a door opener for many women thank you i i hope so yeah no and for me you know talking about culture shock that i reminded me of like you know because i grew up in the middle east right uh, and it was quite um, complex um to navigate that and also i think like, you know been raised um, as a catholic so i've had a lot of you know mixed views about it it was very confusing and and you know reading your book lisa it almost read like a very long sex education column uh, you know it reminded me of uh, those columns that used to appear in women's era you know growing up so because we have such a huge desi community there uh, you know a lot of indian magazines lot of indian content and and your book has a lot of faqs and answers so i was curious as to you know how you decided which questions or which doubts to answer in the book and what to remove you know it must have been really difficult i'm sure you get like thousands of dms per day well i mean i think that that certainly questions that are the most frequently asked ones i do get thousands of dms but often many people have the same question you know with a variation on the phrasing but i've tried to so i've tried to provide um first and foremost answers to all the like big questions that most people have you know and and those in the book are just listed as a queue without an attribution to a particular person because those are the types of questions i just get all the time like does size matter is masturbation bad for health how do i have an orgasm during penetrative sex why is it so hard for me as someone with a vulva um you know or like questions around hygiene anatomy stuff around also safer sex and can you have sex on your period is pulling out a safe method etc cetera, etc cetera. you know there were certain questions that i get asked every day again and again um and so i've tried to answer pretty much i mean all of them i've really tried my best it's quite a long book i mean i think that i tried to put in everything that one might want to know um you know as a starting point from which to springboard into navigating the sexual life or body or identity etc um and then i also included certain questions that have a more specific texture or context or sort of scenario um because i do think it's also very comforting to know that you're not alone you know when someone talks of the experience of vaginismus or someone talks of the experience of really loving their partner but being underwhelmed by the sex or um when someone talks about their body insecurities it can you know it can sometimes feel like you're the only one who is worried about this stuff or feels like something's up or not normal about your body or something but i think um the reason it's that way is because we never talk about this stuff when in fact a lot of us have similar concerns or conundrums that we're navigating so i wanted to bring that sort of human quality to the questions as well and and i've obviously changed names everywhere but I have tried to use some questions that are very specific and provide a little bit of context to the person asking it because I think it does make the question more relatable when you have a little bit of context as opposed to just a textbook style question, you know? Yeah. 
And I wanted, yeah, I wanted the book to be an easy read, an accessible read, a fun read, as opposed to something very preachy or, um, as I said earlier, textbook-like, because I think that um, we don't get that tone in information around sex often enough. Often we don't get any information around sex, but when we do, like let's say a teacher's going over the reproductive system chapter or somebody from family planning is talking about condoms or something, the disseminator of the information is always, um, you know, kind of speaking with a tone as if like they don't have sex or like sex. They're just issuing a PSA because, it, you know, it's their responsibility to yeah yeah it's more like a duty yeah and there's a lot of shame you know even from the messengers of this information often and so i really wanted to eradicate that shame destigmatize the whole thing make it feel normal and joyful and absolutely worthy of public discussion um i hope i've succeeded you tell me <laughs> yes yeah no i th- i think you've managed to cover you know very different kinds of problems you know so so what i was actually you know curious about is lisa let's say okay there are patterns there are very common you know dms that pop up but what would you say is the top most common dm like like what i'm trying to understand is because you have covered so many different kinds of topics in the book right let's say you know first time sex or let's say body insecurity right body shape and all of that so let's say out of all the topics which is the most common like which is the first thing that let's say you wake up and you see that in your dm like almost every day uh, i would say there's a couple i mean i think um one of the most common questions i get from women is I I have never had an orgasm, you know, why is it that in the movies and in porn, women seem to be having such a great time, whereas when I have sex with my husband or my boyfriend or whatever it is, penetration just never has ever resulted in an orgasm for me. Is there something wrong with me? You know, and, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're never provided any accurate information about our anatomy in relation to pleasure. When do you ever see an illustrated diagram of the clitoris or get told that clitoral stimulation is the most reliable route to orgasm for most people with vulvas and that penetration alone is unlikely to result in orgasm for most people some amount of clitoral stimulation is also required we never get told that right we're made to believe that sex equals penis and vagina erection penetration ejaculation and it ends when he comes which is not a very um fulfilling or satisfying uh, sort of script for sex when it comes to the pleasure of people with vulvas when it comes to questions from um men there are often a lot of insecurities around things like you know penis size is my penis big enough how do i last longer is it hard enough um things like that i think um you know there's unrealistic expectations there too set by mainstream internet porn or ideas of masculinity and this like over association with the penis as being this somehow ultimate symbol of how masculine and sexually effective you are or something i don't know um i i don't i don't resonate with those ideas myself but i can empathize with young men who feel deeply insecure about their bodies and don't have a place to talk about it you know i can say on the internet i have small boobs i used to be really conscious about it growing up but i've now i've now learned to accept and embrace my body and feel more confident i've never seen a cis straight man saying i have a small penis but that's okay you know um so <laughs> yeah, i think exactly. i think yeah. like men keep each other in this like it is not okay to be vulnerable or to admit to having insecurities kind of frame of mind where in fact men are having these conversations even less than women absurdly um and then also i get across, across the board lots of questions about masturbation like is masturbation bad for me am i going to get pimples hair fall uh will my athletic abilities be compromised will i lose weight muscle mass uh, energy it's, you know lots of young men have been fed a lot of misinformation by parents teachers sports coaches you name it religious leaders about the fact about these these ideas that all kinds of terrible things are going to happen to you if you masturbate um and i think women on the other hand often write to me saying i've never masturbated i didn't think it was something like women should do it just seems shameful um you know men are worried they're masturbating too much and women seem worried about masturbating at all and um so i often um i mean i think it's a topic that's of particular interest to me because i think of self pleasure as this wonderful gateway to understanding your body better understanding your arousal better and it's also in so many ways i mean the safest and easiest way to experience sexual pleasure right minus the risks of 
infection, unintended pregnancy, even rejection. It's this wonderful thing we can all do. It's a self-soothing behavior. It's normal. It's healthy. It has health benefits that can improve sleep, improve mood. Um, and, you know, very few people are masturbating so much that it's actually an impediment to their daily life or whatever. I mean, if you did anything, if you ran all day or danced all day, it would also be an impediment to your daily life. So I, I try to assuage that fear that like, oh my gosh, you know, some people will write and be like, I masturbate once a week or once a month. Is that too much? Am I doing, you know, will something, will I go to hell? I'm like, no, it's it's going to be okay. Yeah. So... I would say, yeah, those are some of the most common questions I get. Yeah. And, you know, I think all of us sort of like uh, so many women deal with body image issues. And for me, you know, those videos about small boobs and all of that help uh, as well. So, um, you know, you have a podcast which is in Hindi and that obviously, you know, reaches a much larger audience than the audience of, you know, this book. Because at the end of the day, this book is a book written in the English language. Um, so I wanted to know, you know, who did you want, uh, to read this book? Who was the audience for the book? And how are you making sure that the people who need to read this book actually, you know, getting their hands on it? Well, I think everyone needs to read the book, to be honest. And I do also hope that there will be a Hindi language translation and hopefully also other language translations. I think the wonderful thing about a book is that even if I don't know the languages, it can be translated because we can you know, get the right people to translate it. Whereas it's much harder for me to create videos in multiple languages or audio. Anything that relies on only my knowledge of languages means I'm limited to the languages I can speak. So I think it's a quite a big opportunity then. I was interested in writing this book because it lends itself to being translated into as many languages as there's a demand for, you know. But the first step was writing it. Unfortunately, I don't speak any language other than English well enough to write a book in the language. Um, the Hindi podcast is a huge process for me. I have to write in English, work with a translator to translate it into Hindi and then, you know, re rehearse as if I'm rehearsing for a play and um, and then read yeah, it out. I can imagine. I, yeah. yeah, I grew up in Goa. I grew up in Goa and Kodekanal and then studied in the States. So my Hindi is, I mean, I learned it in school. I can read it but and I can understand it, but it's not the language I'm most confident in, I don't think in Hindi. So it is a, it is a process for me. Um, and, and I am eager to do all I can to get better at it and to create content in Hindi, because I think it does make the content more accessible. Um, but I love that with a book, potentially translation could have a much wider scope. And I hope that that's something we can harness. So I, I really do think in that regard, it's a very useful resource, you know, um, it's a tangible, like all in one place primer to the sort of anyone who wants to begin learning about this stuff. And I hope that it's seen that way. <laughs> yes, yes. No, and, and you know, there was just one thought running in my head, Lisa, as I as I consumed content, you know, on Insta, on your YouTube, your podcast and your book, there was just one question throughout, which was how? Like, you know, how did she do this? Because if I, let's say, you know, I was putting myself in your shoes and I was wondering, oh my God, will I ever be able to talk about sex this openly? So, you know, you mentioned quite often, you know, about how progressive your parents have been, how supportive they've been, right? Um, so I also want to know about, you know, whether that there has been a low moment in all of this process, Lisa, you know, because we know how nosy Indian people can get, right? You know, has there ever been a moment, let's say, you know, it could be a family, friend, a relative, or even a stranger, like has their taunt or comments ever got to you? And, and how have you dealt with it? I feel really lucky to have parents who are so supportive of my work and really understand its value and are with me in the vision and mission that I have with it. So I feel like it would be much harder to do this work if within my own home there were people who were trying to stop me. I think for many people who might want to do this work, often it's not the trolls on the internet that are the big deterrent, it's the reaction that your own mom dad or father-in-law brother or whoever else might have you know and sometimes uh, families can have uh, rather adverse and severe reactions to especially women and queer people expressing themselves around themes like sexuality so i feel deeply grateful and fortunate that in my case no none of my family members from my parents to my nanny to my siblings to like i mean we are all super chill about this stuff and i mean I, I really think it would be almost impossible to do what I do as freely as I do it if I had pushback in my own home. Um, as for people on the internet or strangers, I mean, I don't 
let that really concern me too much. And I think also overwhelmingly, the response has been supportive. I mean, I would say that for every 200 messages I get, like 175 are like, thank you, Didi, I learned something. This is so useful. Please, will you talk about this next? Um, can you do this in Hindi? You know, like people who are very, very um, sort of appreciative of the fact that I'm doing this. And I think um, very encouraging that I continue to do it. So that's wonderful. Of course, there's the occasional person who's, you know, who tries to slut shame me or says something like, yo, this is against our culture or like, shut up, you slut or whatever. But I mean, I'm not going to engage with that, you know, and I think um, to a large extent, people on the internet, you could be a comedian, you could be a fashion creator, whatever it is, and you're still going to receive some amount of just random negative, you know, slut shamey commentary, especially if you're a woman. Um, so, I mean, I wish it wasn't par for the course, but I think that you have to have a bit of a thick skin and not let it stop you, right? To some extent, I mean, how many DMs can you even read? I try and, when my community was smaller, I would read more of them, but at this point, it's a bit hard to keep up. Yeah, and I was going to so, ask you that. <laughs> yeah, I, I often if I'm, uh, if I'm keen to hear people's perspectives on a particular issue, I'll like post in my stories being like, you know, what are your thoughts on sex after having kids if that's something you've experienced and you want to share your um your take on that dm me and then i'll look at my dms for the two hours right after posting the story you know like i'll make deliberate um moments via which with uh, via which to engage with the audience that i have and via which to read what they have to say because often the everyday stuff is uh, there's just like so many messages that uh you know ma'am i yeah, want to fuck the you of will you of... fuck me oh my god oh <laughs> ma'am god. they'll turn the ma'am they'll make it polite oh god um <laughs> but yeah i mean i think a lot of people do think that a woman talking about sex is somehow free game or something is in is inviting sexual messages yeah i think there's a lack of discernment around the fact that i could be providing information around a topic without wanting to have sex with you you know but as i yeah, said i think absolutely. anyone um unfortunately doing work publicly on the internet is probably on the receiving end of many absurd and um, just like messages that seem like the sender has no boundaries, etc. Yeah. And actually, you know, uh, before this uh, talk, I was thinking, you know, it's such an intimate topic and you're sort of shining a light on on things that uh, haven't been uh, discussed before, you know, and, and, and lots of people sort of, you know, obviously must be looking up to you, wanting you to interact with them. Uh, and you can't reply to anyone, uh, to everyone, right? You must be getting so many, so many messages. So that must be difficult. Also about the title, you know, uh, I love the title, the sex book, you know, it says what it is. But I found it very difficult to read it in my house, uh, you know, because it's it's exactly what you said about, you know, if you see a woman sort of talking about sex or, uh, you know, reading about sex or watching even sort of intimate, like I can't even watch intimate movies, uh, in, scene, movies with intimate scenes, you know, in my living room, because there is always that judgment, you know, there is always that shame. Uh, so... That was definitely, you know, very interesting. It was an interesting process to read the book in my So house. how did you do it? What did you do? I sort of, so the first, um, I mean, like, I tried to, like, hide it and read it. But then I was like, you know what? Let it be. So I just left it on my desk. And now I just, I'm just reading it really openly without caring what anyone thinks about me. But it's a process, you know. I am so uh, glad to hear that. That's exactly the yeah. journey I was hoping people would go on. Oh, really? But, but so did, did, did your parent, did anyone say anything? So or my parents you... are really, really cool. Uh, but I have some staff in my house who like, obviously, you know, the maid like come in and, you know, um, so, so and even my parents like they're very liberal but we don't really talk about sex like I don't think we've ever spoken about sex uh you know I can go like stay over at my boyfriend's place and all of that stuff but the um the conversation is never about sex so it's sort of okay to it's okay if it's you're not speaking about it if that makes sense Mm-hmm. And did, yeah. did the book end up being a conversation starter? No, no, no. That it. It was just like they didn't. It was. They just yeah, it's just it sort wasn't. of like yeah, it's there, but it's not there. I think that's the case in a lot of sort of you know Indian families. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really thought that it was a deliberate decision to call it the sex book, and of course, my publisher discussed like you know 
Do you think it'll be an, an obstacle for people to be able to read it? Do you think that people will hesitate to hold it? But I just thought if I cave into that shame and call my book something euphemistic, you know, it's like the birds and the bees or something, I don't know, um, then, you know, who's going to call it this? I mean, I felt like I had a responsibility to not sort of let that shame dictate that the title also be something apologetic or coy. You know, I really, I mean, my face is on the book. It's called a sex book in bold. And and while I recognize and empathize with the fact that that might be difficult for some people, and therefore it's also available as an ebook and an audio book, so you can listen to it and have it on your phone or Kindle or whatever and not have to deal with the cover. I do really hope that people will read this book, you know, at cafes or on the metro or on the plane. And people have been sending me pictures of them doing that. Um, and that it should just feel normal. And, you know, it's interesting that you said that nobody really, nobody said anything to you, actually. It's fine. They're okay with it. Maybe they, maybe it didn't yet create a conversation. Perhaps if you tell your parents, like, hey, I'm reading this book. A friend of mine from Colombia wrote it. Do you want to check it out? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'd be curious. Oh, but yeah. in general, it's what's quite interesting is that I find that actually, if we overcome our shame and we just read it um, yeah. or hold it or do go about our business, actually not that many people are getting in our way you know I was holding my book and reading it um at a cafe and on the plane and things and I mean people just went about doing their thing one or two people asked me about it and obviously saw that I was the person on the cup like oh you wrote this book oh that's cool so I feel like in a funny kind of way if you don't have shame around something you almost allow for others also to start to let go of their shame at least that's been my experience even with creating my content so many people write to me with their most personal stories because they think I'm not going to judge them you know I'm talking about the clitoris or masturbation or my small boobs who am I I'm not going to judge them and I think as soon as you feel like you're someone who's not going to judge another person you almost create an opportunity for greater honesty and greater sort of you know intimacy and 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 for communication around this stuff that a lot of us are quiet about even though we'd like to talk about it because we fear everyone else is going to judge us and other people fear we are going to judge them you know yeah no I think that's so fascinating you know the that that was exactly the journey that you wanted everyone to go to Uh, yeah I mean yeah, no, for me, also it was funny, actually, you know, so like, when actually books arrive from the publishers, usually sometimes it's not me, but it's like my family, um, who gets the book, right, they answer the door, and they get the book. So I remember I'd opened the book and just kept it on the table. And then my mom saw it. And she said, Okay, what is this? This is interesting. What are you reading? I said, No, no, it's for work. And I just sneaked it back into my room. And once it's in my room, I can like, you know, read whatever I want. But then I just realized that, you know, to have a whole conversation about that is a different thing. So yeah, yeah I think, I think it always starts out with an awkward phase and I feel we, we should yeah reach that point where it moves beyond that awkward phase. But yeah. we're there. It's like baby steps are being taken. But you know, yeah. I always feel that, you know, like, yeah, it's awkward with our parents and everything. But then the next generation, it's going to be so different, right? Like yeah. with like yeah. the people who are having kids now, like even our like future children, uh, it's going to be completely different because of resources mm. like this. Good point. I yeah, really yeah, hope exactly. so. I mean, I think that's extremely powerful that uh, because I, I think parenting is such an important part of shaping the attitudes of a whole generation. And I really hope that, our gen- I mean, I'm 32 now and a lot of my friends are getting married or having kids or both. And um, I really think that even if they never received sex education from their parents, that they're going to try to provide sex education to their kids and be sex positive and be more forthcoming with information around things like you know even just accurate names for the body parts when you're teaching a toddler about their body or um you know in in inculcating an intuitive understanding of consent like i think that i think that my peers are going to do that and believe that they should even if they never received that and i think that's really powerful because instead of waiting around for schools to do it and the government to do it and this one to do it that one to do it i think that one of the most powerful ways we can in in our own capacity and then collectively create you know societal level changes if we begin having these conversations in our families with our kids even if we can't have them with our parents at least with our kids as we enter that phase in our lives as a generation where you know lots of us are having kids 
Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And and I think another thing what resonated with me, as you said, Lisa, see, a person might not be able to consume, uh, let's say, the same content in one form, right? Let's say, let's say the book uh, is difficult, but then you could always just plug in your earphones and listen to the same thing on the podcast, right? Which actually drew me to one of your uh, films, Lisa. I, I was really uh, surprised to see that you've worked in a film called W, right? And it's also a very women-centric um, script and, and one of your lines uh, you know that your character says is nothing can stop me it's not in my DNA I thought that fit you really well you know I thought I thought it really fit your personality so I want to know you know what was your experience um, acting in that Bollywood film and how did that I would say add to your views on sex in India oh wow well that was a very random project that came my way um, I was so young honestly I was like right out of college I was I happened to be um, stopped I had a headache and was driving from one place to another and stopped by this cafe to buy a bottle of water and something to eat so I could take some medicine and this like there was this team of like I don't know, I guess the filmmakers sitting there and they were like, you know, when these came up to me, when you were, when you walked in, we just saw our character come alive. We're working on this little indie movie. Can we send you the script? We just think you'd be great for the part. You know, it sounded like so too, too, how should I say, too random to be true, right? I was like, okay, whatever. I gave them my email address and left. And then they sent me the script and I was really, really young back then. And I feel like I was much less aware of um, a lot of the things that I understand better now. This was, you know, before we had a lot of the vocabulary around um, gender and identity that we do now. And the film has its limitations, but it was a film that explored sexual violence. It was a sort of rape revenge fantasy. Um, And it was just, I mean, I don't know. It was so, you know, I was 21 or something. And how often do you get randomly cast in a movie, right? They, they made me audition and then they were yeah, that's really amazing. into it and I got the part or whatever. But it was a very small film. I mean, it, you know, it was a very, very small film. I don't think a lot of people watched it and it had a very small budget and small release. But it was interesting to work on the project and it was um, obviously, you know, gender-based violence and things like that are topics that, I've um, always had an interest in raising awareness around. So I'm, I'm glad I learned from a lot. I learned a lot from doing it. But yeah, I would definitely say that that was very early on, long before I'd started the stuff. I literally had just come back to like, like a few weeks after graduating from college. So it was one of those just things that happened that you, you go with, you know, you roll with it, YOLO kind of a kind of a, a thing. It wasn't so yeah. deliberate. I feel like looking back, it might seem like, oh, she did this film. Like, oh, it makes so much sense. But it was very, very random. And it was a one off. Yeah, but that's how it always turns out, right? Like Steve Jobs in that speech of his says that, you know, every all the dots end up connecting. Um, yeah, so, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. So as content creators... Uh, you know, sometimes we sort of get in the niche. For example, I worked at um, She the People and, you know, we were constantly talking about women at work and, you know, advocating for that. And I and graduated from Barnard, you know, that's something that I really was very passionate about. And now with, um, you know, with Bound and this podcast, we speak to so many authors about their writing process. Uh, as a creator, you know, how does one, how do you keep, things interesting because oftentimes we're speaking about similar things about the same things so how do you experiment and keep the content fresh and interesting yeah that's a great question I mean I hope it doesn't feel stale I I do wonder about that I think that that partly the the formats keep throwing new creative challenges your way as a creator like Instagram used to be you know photos only and so I actually started on YouTube and YouTube was where people consumed video content. Um, then over time, Instagram also became more video centric, but it was short form vertical video. You know, YouTube used to be long form horizontal video. So now you're adapting to this new format. Um, and I think it brings with it, while it might be challenging to adapt, it also brings with it certain a certain freshness. There's now this whole host of audio trends to work with and filters like I've you know really enjoyed using the beard filter to create a kind of um, masculine alter ego in my <laughs> yeah, content. Yeah I was just gonna add that um, I love that yeah. And then you know with when when Spotify um, reached out to me to create a podcast there was this new audio format that I wanted to explore and then doing the added challenge of doing it in Hindi 
Um, and then with the book, I mean, it's, you know, the written word and it's illustrated and it's again, a longer format. So I feel like in in many ways, um, I've had the opportunity to sort of rethink how I want to do things or reinvent the um, medium for my messaging because of the inherent differences and evolution of the platforms that I'm working with and, and the ones that have been sort of emerging alongside. I think audio is quite a, you know, still in its nascent stages. Um, I think for me, Hindi was like a big new challenge that I took on during the pandemic because I had more time to do this work. I mean, all my mainstream work stopped and it was quite a time of uncertainty, but amazingly, I'm very grateful. Somehow um, my content really exploded during that time, you know, so after the first year of extreme uncertainties, it became slowly like, okay, maybe this project is sustainable. It might seem like you have this very thought out path that you you know, very deliberately created. But I mean, life will throw some curveballs. You'll have some opportunities that you never anticipated ever having and that you're so grateful for, but you'll also have some challenges you never anticipated that you've got to work around. I mean, um, and then, you know, somehow it all seems to make sense when you look back. But oftentimes the nature of your trajectory is like, is quite quite a surprise even to you, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it, it made me really think about, um, you know, how I, I think growing up uh, in the 90s, it was more like, okay, you just have to find something and, you know, find your path and do whatever you can. But right now, the formats determine, uh, you know, what kind of content we produce. Uh, but for me, I think it's slightly different because I was just thinking about my writing, you know, so if I get an idea, sometimes I think, okay, it might work as a poem, or it might work as a short story, sometimes a longer piece, or sometimes even a newsletter. So I feel I feel the fact that we have so many different formats nowadays is is really tempting, uh, especially for a content creator. Um, but you know what I really want to understand is Lisa. Let's say that you know now you've been talking a lot about sexuality, right, on all these platforms. Um, do you worry that this will become your identity? Let's say ten years down the line. Okay, let's say you want to experiment and talk about some other topic. How do you think you will navigate that? Um, I mean, I think that this is certainly part of my journey, a significant part of my journey, and I have no problem with being associated with this, you know. Um, I have, I'm proud of the work I do. I'm extremely passionate about this topic. So I think that I don't see it at all as a problem to be associated with this. And if I do choose to branch out into other things, I think that that'll be its chapter in my life and it'll be you know an interesting journey to kind of um reinvent or evolve or whatever you want to call it um in that direction but i really do think i mean i have no regrets so i wouldn't change or hide or yeah no, I mean, I definitely don't. I mean, this is something to be proud of. I think, you know, uh, it's more of, you know, like people sort of slot us as creators, for example, you know, like we only speak about books, but like tomorrow, if you want to speak about finance, uh, yeah. you know, how would you sort of navigate, you know, if you wanted to change uh, that or do you think it's just sort of it's possible and you just start doing it and then if the content is good, you know, people will follow you. I mean, I really do want to continue to talk about sex for some more time, though. So I'm not immediately thinking of shifting gears. I do think, though, that human beings are multifaceted. And that's such a wonderful thing. I mean, I think that we do ourselves and each other a disservice when we slot each other as if, you know, you're only capable of being interested yeah, sure. and knowledgeable about one thing. And people do <laughs> yes. have that tendency to do that. I mean, sometimes, you know, also, I think many people don't know the whole picture and we live in a in a capitalist world where unfortunately or fortunately or whatever the way you want to look at it many people have to do things to pay the bills we've all done work that might not resonate so much with us personally but we do it because there's rent to pay i mean i was a football presenter for five years alongside doing that when this work was just a passion project because live sport was one of the few things on tv that still had you know decent budgets and i couldn't refuse that money and i worked really hard at being good at it and took it seriously because I think you owe that much to anything that you take on. I mean, why would I want to do a shoddy job of anything? But a lot of people thought I love football or that I'm the football girl, you know, I, when I really actually don't 
care that much about football if I'm honest I mean I took yeah. it seriously and because I'm nerdy that way and I wanted to do a good job but do I stay up all night thinking about football no do I even yeah. watch any anymore no <laughs> so I think that I mean you know people do different things for different reasons it's, sometimes it's out of financial compulsion sometimes it's out of interest in that subject sometimes your interests evolve and I think we need to allow for that and man, like beep your loss if you think that people are so yeah like agree, uni I, lack, yeah, you know totally. can only do one thing in their whole life so I yeah. really I don't know I don't no I said that Michelle has a fun quiz for us oh um, yeah, yeah before, okay. so before- Yeah, before okay. we go into that yeah. yeah i just i, I remember something about i want stereotyping and slotting i just want to mention like an anecdote so back in uh, my mba days i realized that a lot of when we have these group activities right they would just slot us as okay you are the creative person the other one is is awesome at numbers you know you are this you are that right and i found that very problematic and i said okay but let's take a you know back seat okay what if we allow somebody to be creative right so i had just like introduced this six hat thinking uh, by uh, de bono to them just to just to make them understand that okay let's say in a few minutes you get to change different hats right so then what so i have often had this problem with stereotyping okay. Okay, anyway. Yeah, that's a good that's a good exercise yeah. though that you know like yeah. change it yeah. up. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Cool. So now we come to our fun quiz, Lisa, which we all will be which three of us will be participating in. And of course, our listeners can also, you know, note down their answers and if you want you can even share your answers with us at Bound India. Okay. So the first question is, you would be embarrassed if A, your tooth falls off while kissing. B, you are caught masturbating c you fart on a first date mm. <laughs> i mean all i of think b <laughs> okay what is it i don't think about? i would be like embarrassed if i farted on a first date honestly speaking <laughs> yeah okay i think for me a is is really embarrassing if my mm. tooth falls off <laughs> what about you lisa i mean i think they're all quite embarrassing scenarios but i think that um you know i would happily laugh about it hopefully hopefully the tooth isn't a painful injury why has my tooth fallen off as an adult um i'd be quite i, I think i'd be more worried about my <laughs> dental health than the man i'm kissing at that point or person and um the other two i mean i guess yeah farting and masturbating i don't know lock the door um <laughs> Yeah, I think they'd all be like pretty embarrassing. Yeah, they're pretty embarrassing, that, Michelle. They're sorry. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're all pretty embarrassing. But hopefully the other person is like compassionate enough to have a laugh and um, yeah. you know, carry yeah. on as opposed to making it a big deal. So, um you get turned on when A, your date is chivalrous, B, your date is handsome, C, your date is a good listener. My date is a good listener. I agree. Yeah. Oh, same here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, I think there's a pattern. All the guys listening. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. The next one. This is your deal breaker. A. Bad breath. B. Playboy. C. Trump supporter. Oh God, Trump supporter. <laughs> yeah. Any I time, think I for think me. <laughs> followed by bad don't breath. Know. All three are really bad. Yeah. 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 I think three and one would make it like the worst. Okay. the last one uh, one thing you miss about an ex their blank their smile their smell ooh both <laughs> <laughs> okay would anyone Not- like to fill in I the blank honestly like nothing <laughs> like honestly oh nothing they are nothing awesome <laughs> nothing yeah. okay. cool all right i think this was really fun i hope our listeners have had fun too um so this brings us to our reading recommendation section Which are the three most spicy and interesting love stories you've read? Ooh, love stories. I feel like I haven't read a love story in a long time. I've been reading so much non-fiction lately, um and books about sex and gender and all of that good stuff. Um the most spicy love stories. Gosh. It's not spicy, it's actually quite sad, but one of my favorite books and I don't know if we could categorize it as a love story, but well, Disgrace by GM Kurtzy. I don't know if you guys have read it. Um mm, yes. it looks at love and loss and sexuality and violence and all kinds of things. Um sorry sorry gosh look at me like being the the uh-huh. no, no, that's <laughs> giving you this very dark yeah. choice. Um 
I don't know. I've never actually been much of a reader of like mushy love stories, to be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> somehow it's just not a genre I was drawn to. Don't know what that says about me. Yeah. No, same um, here. <laughs> I love watching like rom-coms and things, but I just can't, um, you know, I don't read much, uh, you know, uh, I don't read many books, which are sort of love stories. But I actually wanted to know, you know, since uh, there's so much research, so much sort of, um even like scientific material that's gone into your book uh what kinds of sex education tools did you access for do you access for your own work books you know it can be books podcasts what's the material that you use i i love books i'm a very book person myself actually um and so i do really enjoy reading about this subject some of my favorite books uh, I, i could name a lot but why don't i give you three um i love this book called come as you are by emily nagoski i think awfully it's become very popular because it got a shout out in sex education um mave mentions it at one point in the last season i love but i love mave yeah i love the, i love uh, sex series. education such yeah. a good show yeah but but it's a wonderful book um by emily nagoski and um one of my favorite books around sexuality by an indian author is cyber sexy by richa kolpatte it's called cyber sexy rethinking pornography and it really looks at um you know what is pornographic as well as um the impact of internet porn um very contextualized to india um what else i really 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 enjoy alok um i enjoy their podcast, their Instagram as well as their book Beyond the Gender Binary. I think I learn so much every time I witness or listen to anything they say. I also am a big fan of this book called The Tragedy of Heterosexuality by Jane Ward, who is a New York University professor and um it's this sort of uh, lesbian feminist take on heterosexual relationships and what we can perhaps learn from queer relationships um i think it's brilliant highly recommend um what else i enjoyed actually one of the maybe it's a love story a book i recently read um that i really enjoyed was called detransition baby i don't know if you have read it oh no no such a good book um it was the first book i'd read by a trans author and um i think that the first fiction book i'd read by a trans author um but it was it was just such an entertaining read a delicious read and yet also filled with so much insightful sort of social commentary commentary on gender and relationships and things like that fab fab yeah. recommendations yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i think and yeah since you know tara and i love to read about gender i think it's it's going to be like it's going to go up our tpr yeah. list I cyber sexy has been on my list for so long mm-hmm. but I've not gotten around to reading it so maybe I'll pick it up soon now. Yeah yeah yeah. We should buddy read it Tara even me. I've been yeah, to read it. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> do it. Yeah. I yeah. also really like this book called Besharam by Priya Alika Elias in case you're interested. Oh. She's such a talented writer and it's mm-hmm. this sort of um it's like personal essays but just so well written and so there's going to be so many moments where you're like you just resonate so much for any brown woman it's a wonderful collection of essays um love 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 priya's writing so the next one is one book you've loved in boarding school and why book i loved in boarding school i mean i think while i was in school honestly i had so much coursework that i was primarily reading what we had to read for school i took english hl ib english hl and there was so much reading <laughs> okay um yeah and generally there was so much i was very nerdy all through school and college i feel like there was so much coursework related reading and i enjoyed all of it that but i wasn't i mean you know the curricula was dictating what i was reading more than me being able to make time to read for pleasure unfortunately but um i mean you know i read <laughs> we read um some really fantastic books even as part of our coursework so i feel like i really developed an appreciation for shakespeare thanks to this wonderful teacher i had called james shapiro i never thought i could enjoy shakespeare as much as i was able to thanks to his instruction um i think it's quite amazing how sometimes a good teacher can really shape your um appreciation of a subject and on the other hand a not so good teacher can really make you not want to give it a chance you know 
Oh yeah, that's a whole other topic. But I did IB HL two, uh, IB English HL two, and uh, yeah, the kind of books that we read, uh, you know, were really really fantastic. The teacher that I had as well, Mr. Bailey, uh, had a really great selection. Mr. So, Bailey. Yeah. Were you, you in Kodi? No, were you no, in I was in I was in Bombay. Yeah. Was okay, he, well, he, he was Kodi? my English teacher in Kodi before he left for Bombay. Yeah, Keith oh, Bailey, no. right? <laughs> yeah. Keith and Michelle Bailey were like yeah, my Keith favorite teachers. Bailey. Oh my yeah, god! What are the odds? Okay, well, <laughs> Keith Bailey insane. is so wonderful. My he god! Was. Yeah, he yeah. really sort of you know made it fun, and the the selection that he had was was really really good. Yeah, I remember he made me read The Handmaid's Tale for a. For, for like an assignment we had to do on our own, um, you know, read a book and write an essay about it, a book of our choice. And he was like, oh, wow, I think you cool. should do The Handmaid's Tale. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, he, yeah. he's wonderful. Gosh, how nice that we had the yeah. same English teacher. What are the that's odds? Crazy. I know. Wow. Yeah. yeah, one time he made us like sort of like write sort of um, pair up in twos and write like a therapy like a therapist conversation based on a book so they were all kind of fun activities he made us do um, yeah but, he made us know. like analyze song lyrics he made us he yeah amazing oh yeah us too yeah song lyrics yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. and then I remember being most impressed by a book in my teenage angsty phase and when we were made to read The Outsider by Camus, also called The Stranger yeah. <laughs> it resonated with the whole class yeah that's a good teenage book to read Absolutely. So in terms of uh, podcasts, you know, you have a very popular podcast. So what are your top three favorite podcasts? Mm, I often am so busy just creating my own content that I haven't gotten to listen to that many podcasts lately. But one of my favorite podcasts, I don't know if they have any very new episodes. Maybe they do. I haven't listened to it for a bit. But one of my all-time favorite podcasts is called Invisibilia by NPR. I mean, it's an NPR production i love that podcast yeah yeah invisibilia right the hidden forces that shape our world such a great podcast and i think it's so well produced and so like i'm going to listen from the beginning to the end of each episode you know yeah i think i think that's again you know it's going to add to our tbl uh list uh okay so the last question in in this section would be what's your opinion on all dating self-help books out there of course there are not many especially in india but what do you think about it um, I think that a lot of the dating self-help books over time, mainly Western, I mean, I, is at least the stuff that's coming to my mind. But I feel like they were very rigidly binary in their construction of gender. And there was this idea being reiterated that men and women are extremely different, you know, and where that's why it's so hard. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus, that type of um, sort of, language and and terminology you know making arguments that we're just so inherently different and so how do you figure each other out as if our differences are absolutely embedded and irrevocable and sort of quote unquote natural you know biological I think that that was quite limiting because actually more contemporary writing and I think less sort of um homophobic even if even if um you know in this not so intentional way but I feel like so often it is so heteronormative and very um, sort of restrictive in its imagination around the possibilities of identity no matter what genitals you have you know it's almost like if you have a penis you are like this if you have a vagina you are like this Um, and and that men are like this and women are like this and I really think that we're actually more alike than we are different and a lot of the perceived differences are actually socially constructed and socially reiterated at every opportunity possible so it's so relentless that we can mistake it to be somehow sort of biological or something but in fact once you do the work and once you kind of stop to examine a lot of this stuff it's it's much more I feel socially imposed many of these differences uh, than we are allowed to believe you know so yeah so I don't think a lot of the self-help books pay attention to that enough like they're very much they're operating very much within that predetermined kind of construction around what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman instead of um, dismantling that's very interesting actually like that's a new sort of way of looking at it have you read any dating self-help book which has which is kind of progressive which is not rigid like like the ones you mentioned 
You know, I, I am not a big fan of instructional books, and I hope my book also is not instructional, because I really think that how you operate in the world as a human being and how you navigate your relationships and what you want to do or what you like to talk about, what you like to do in bed is so personal and you don't have to follow some book to the T. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't like any kind of a lot of, I mean, self-help as a genre where the writer or the disseminator of the information is posited as some sort of guru who you should be listening to. And it's a typically a lot of dude bros, you know, I mean, the whole genre of motivational speaking and motivational podcasts and motivational everything is something I personally cannot bear. I really think it's nice to equip people with information as a sort of springboard by which they determine their course of action. Here's some information. Now you decide how you want to make love and you decide how you, what kind of a partner you want to be. I am, you don't have to, what I'm saying is not the gospel that you have to follow verbatim in order to check all this off your list yeah. and that'll make you the best lover ever. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. I really think so often um, uh, the, the genre of self-help kind of lulls people into believing that here's some simple, easy to follow checklist that's going to change your life. But that's not how life works, you know? I don't think that... Yeah, like um, magic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Magic like magic. magic. Exactly. And people want these quick, easy, some sort of like, you tell me what to do and I'll do it and then I want to, you know, but I think it's so much more about just setting the seeds of a thought or a, a idea or like the potential for something and really then it's up to the person to to take that where they want to you know um i think of it almost like giving you're giving the paints and the paintbrush perhaps to somebody but then they have to make the artwork yeah no absolutely uh self-help is a very interesting topic in michelle and i'm also gonna have a, another full episode, episode about this but um this was really amazing i loved all the insights so to end the episode we have a short rapid fire round uh, which is exactly what it sounds like so mm-hmm. I'll begin uh, one word to describe the Indian auntie who judges everyone having sex Ooh, um, I'm trying to actually unpack the the connotations of the word auntie like I used to use it that way too like mm. oh, why is such an auntie so judgmental auntie but then I realized there's like some amount of internalized misogyny there you know, and I wish that we could be um, sort of somehow okay, involving that, them. True, true, in, true. Like that, involving that like yeah. conversation across generation. Yeah. No, no, but I think actually what Lisa's saying is quite interesting. You know, I mean, like, like I'm certainly what, learning something yeah. about, um, you know, I never thought of it in that way. But yeah, you're absolutely mm. right. Yeah, like, you know, Behenji, auntie, like like all these, mm. these stereotypes. So I think maybe we can remove the word auntie. So like one word to describe the Indian who judges everyone having sex. Um, <laughs> oh, one word is hard, but I would encourage anyone who judges everyone for having sex to remember that they are the product of sex. You are a little fuckling, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> so stop judging and yeah, just like live and let live. Cool. Okay. Um, one movie you've seen over and over just for their sex positive story. I actually, Sex Education is the, is a show, not a movie, but I love that series and I've watched it. I've watched every season. I love Gillian Anderson. Um, it's just such a great show and I think there's it. it's very entertaining and yet very educational. So I hope a lot of young people watch it. Yeah, I love that show. So what is the funniest place someone has read this book? Do you know? Ah, uh, I don't know yet. <laughs> I mean, people have read it in all sorts of places. I, I've People have sent me pictures of them reading it, you know, um, on planes, on the metro, in offices. I, someone sent me that they gave all them, this a small business, gave all of their employees a copy of the book and they sent me this picture of the whole office holding the book. Like, I thought that was so sweet. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what the funniest place, but I'm, gra- I'm glad that people are reading it proudly and publicly. Okay. One sex educator in India who you find inspiring, apart from yourself? <laughs> I love the work Paramita Avora is doing with Agents of Ishk. I've always been inspired by her. Um, I think her writing, her digital project, her filmmaking, it's all so fantastic. She's, and she's not just a sex educator. She's, she's more than that. And I think that she has a whole team. It's a project. I don't want to reduce it to just education because I think there's a very strong artistic and creative element to it too. Um, but yeah, big fan of Paramita Vora. Okay. Two heroes from books you wish existed in real life. Ooh, um, 
<laughs> who are you, who are your heroes you wish existed in real life from book <laughs> good question <laughs> i haven't thought of the answer yeah i feel um, like it's, it's hard yeah. to think yeah. of the, it's really hard. right yeah. off the top yeah. of my head i'm going to have to come back to that one okay cool so the last question is what are you working on next Ooh, um I am not at liberty to say unfortunately but I am working on some exciting things that I hope to be able to talk about soon. Um but in the immediate future I also really hope that I mean this book came out literally like last week so um I am also having to spend a lot of time sort of talking about the book, promoting the book and hopefully seeing through some translations of it. Um the audiobook is also out so that's currently what i'm most excited about that's already on my plate that i hope that uh, people will also enjoy consuming yes i mean congratulations on you know congratulations on everything uh, yes. especially the book you know uh, it's fabulous to have these sort of books you know out there um and it's very very well written and i'm certainly looking forward to what you're doing next thank you so much thank you so much for having me thanks lisa So here we are we're at the end of yet another journey into the many worlds of books and beyond with bound I'm Tara Khandelwal I'm Michelle De Costa and this podcast is created by Bound a company that helps you grow through stories find us at bound india on all social media platforms so tune in every wednesday if you live eat and breathe books and join us as we discover more revolutionary books and peek into the lives and minds of some truly brilliant authors from India and South Asia and don't forget to keep your love for stories alive for books and beyond